Before we uh, open scripture, please join me in a brief word of prayer. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Amen. The passage this morning is from Philippians 1, 3 to 6. In my Bible, that's page 1825. I'm not sure if that's the same in all your Bibles, but Philippians, Philippians 1, 3 to 6. Am I standing in the wrong place? I'm fine? Okay. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. When people find out that I'm a missionary, they sometimes get curious. Uh, what does a missionary do exactly? Uh, do you go around knocking on doors like a Jehovah's Witness? Uh, are you planting a church? Different missionaries do different things. I'll talk more at length uh, this evening about my work in the basement. Um, I myself do a variety of things. Uh, the core of my work is theological education. Uh, I'm actually going to start teaching Hebrew at a local seminary uh, at the end of November, uh, teaching Hebrew in Spanish. I'm pretty nervous about that. I'd appreciate your prayers. Um, I'm also working with a program called SETI. It's basically a series of courses that help pastors and churches think through what the gospel looks like uh, in four areas. Church, home, society, and work. Uh, in addition to theological education, I lead Bible studies and prayer meetings. I also do quite a bit of networking with pastors, visiting churches, attending conferences. Um, I'm hope also helping to oversee a, a program called the Cohort of Missioners, and it's kind of a, a, a group for young adults from North America and from Central America, working side by side in Central America. Um, it's under the supervision of Christian Reform World Missions. So there's, there's a variety of things that I'm juggling, but the piece that holds this all together is the community where I live, Casa Adobe. Uh, Casa Adobe is an intentional Christian community. It's a lot like the Nijoni House or the house on Travis Street, except that it has families and young adults instead of students. Um, and what we do is we try to live out our faith in all areas of our lives. We regularly ask ourselves the question, uh, how can we get better at loving God and loving our neighbors and loving God's creation? How can we get better at living out our faith? 
And we try to live out our faith in a number of ways, tutoring local children, playing soccer with them, hosting social gatherings, kind of like uh, the block party you guys just had, social gatherings for the community. Uh, I myself have taken it upon myself to get to know all the people living in my neighborhood. It's, it's quite a task. Um, I've taken special interest in my neighbors who are homeless, my neighbors who sell and use drugs, my neighbors who are addicted to alcohol, and my neighbors who are currently in prison. I've been focusing on, on getting to know them. Uh, this work isn't an add-on. It's not some extra thing I do on the side. It's essential. Uh, how can I talk to future students about living out the gospel if I'm not trying to do the same. Um, and one of my regular habits as I'm trying to do this is I, I go on walks through the neighborhood talking to anyone who will talk with me. And, and I've started to uh, visit a local park with my Bible. And I sit down and I, I read my Bible there for a good half hour and, and I talk to anyone who passes by. So two weeks ago, I was setting out to the park to read my Bible a bit uh, I had just told Pastor Sean that I was going to be in Grand Rapids this weekend, and he asked me to be on call uh, in case the baby came, and it did. Uh, she did. So I, I was thinking about what passage I should use for this sermon. And I, I stepped out from Casa Adobe onto the street, and I, I turned left, and I walked 30 feet and arrived at a small group of young men. Uh, they sell drugs on that corner. We're, we're famous in the entire neighborhood. Uh, our, our little corner is famous for uh, selling drugs. Um, sometimes I see them uh, snorting cocaine right there, but they're, they're often um, high, often smoking marijuana, right in the open. Uh, so I, I, I greeted them. I, we talked for a few minutes, mostly about the weather. Uh, and then I, I continued on my way. And I turned left at the corner and I walked 50 feet and there was another group of young men uh, also selling drugs. And this particular group had, had been in jail. They, they'd gotten busted by the cops back in April and they'd gotten out only two weeks later and, and you know, back to the old run-of-the-mill things. Um, so I, I, talked to, I stopped and I talked to them for five minutes mostly about the weather. Uh, and then I continued to the park, to my favorite bench my little blue bench. And I sat down and I opened up my Bible and I'd been reading through some of Paul's epistles. They're, they're really short and they're condensed, they're, they're, they're filled with, with things, interesting things. And I, I was just paging through and I randomly opened up to Philippians where my eyes landed on today's passage. I'm gonna read it again, it's so short. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I knew immediately that this was the right passage to share with you all today. It just fit perfectly. Paul is a missionary who's communicating with the, the church at Philippi, a church that has been supporting him, supporting him through prayer and through financial donation. And he is writing to them to, to thank them for their support and to encourage them in their work. 
It was perfect. What is more, uh, Paul doesn't just talk about him preaching the gospel for the church at Philippi, as if they're kind of outsourcing their ministry for him to do. It's a partnership, working together in the gospel, doing the same work, though separated by distance. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. This was the passage to share with Creston. But even as I grew more and more confident that I needed to share this passage with you all, I felt a growing sense of unease with the passage. I read it again. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. And I got to the end of the passage and I looked up. And from where I was sitting on my little blue bench, I could see quite a bit of the park. To my left, I could still see that gang of kids that deals drugs in the neighborhood. And just past them, there's a little coffee field where some of the local homeless people sleep in makeshift shelters. No running water, no plumbing. From my little blue bench, I, I turn to my right, and just up the street is the house of Maria, a friend. Her live-in boyfriend beats her when he's drunk, and he's always drunk. Just past Maria's house is a Pentecostal church, and I've been there twice, but I couldn't stomach it anymore. The pastor is a power-hungry egomaniac. He drives a fancy car and tosses around huge wads of cash while his flock struggles to pay their bills. He's supposed to be a shepherd who cares for his sheep, and he is a wolf. From where I'm sitting on my little blue bench, I look ahead of me, and a broken chain-link fence surrounds a concrete soccer field filled with potholes and shards of broken glass. I'm scared to play there because of the risk of falling, stumbling on the gravel. The grass surrounding the soccer field is a foot long, and there are piles of trash everywhere. I look back at the Bible in my lap, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. One of the key words in the book of Philippians is joy. It, or some form of it, occurs 16 times in the book. It's overflowing with joy. When I read the Bible, I don't know about you guys, but when I read it, I crave something real and authentic. I'm in need of spiritual nourishment, something concrete, something sustaining. But all this talk about joy, this exuberant bubbliness, from where I'm sitting on my little blue bench, the talk of joy feels kind of empty. I feel like I showed up at the newest shop in Grand Rapids, Paul's Super Smoothie Shop. He sells smoothies, and I, I want a smoothie. So I show up there, and I'm talking to Paul, and I, I make my order. I, I, I want some spinach in there. I want some kale. I want a ton of pineapple, raspberries, strawberries, some cherries. Mix in some green tea to get a little caffeine boost, yeah. 
some chia seeds. I want a super smoothie, something nutritious that will sustain me throughout the day. I give Paul my order. And I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And he disappears behind a door. And he comes back out with a glass of clear liquid. Doesn't look like I expected. I take a sip. And I gag. It's pure sugar water. I look down at the bottom of the glass and there's a full inch of sugar that wasn't able to be dissolved in the rest of it. The water is saturated with sugar. I try another sip of the sugar water. It's as sugary as the first. I call Paul over. What is this? I'm looking for something to sustain me. Something to keep me going throughout the day. But this is just sugar. Paul, you're so sweet. You make my teeth hurt. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. Does Paul live in the same world that I do? I'm sitting on my little blue bench and I don't know what to do with all this joy. What does joy look like here in this park? What does the gospel look like here in my neighborhood? Over the past year, I've learned a lot about the gospel. I've always known that the gospel means good news, but what is that good news? My Costa Rican friends have been pointing me back to the Bible. Time and again, when Jesus talks about the gospel, He uses the word kingdom alongside it. The gospel of the kingdom of heaven. The good news of the kingdom of God. He associates the two words gospel and kingdom. This is how Jesus uses the word gospel. Uh, But then what is this kingdom of heaven? Is that just a place where you go when you die? Again, my Costa Rican friends have pointed me back to the Bible. What is a kingdom? It's a place ruled by a king, of course. A monarch. A sovereign. One of my favorite depictions of the sovereignty of Christ from Colossians 1, 15 to 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And then this. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. All things reconciled to Christ. That is the kingdom of heaven. That is the good news. The kingdom of heaven is near. That is the message of the gospel. The kingdom of heaven is near. Everything will be reconciled to Christ. Everything will be made right. And the gospel for me The good news for me is I get to participate in that reality. 
So I've been thinking a lot about these things, the gospel, the kingdom, and I've been trying to live it out too, seeking first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, its justice, its way of life. But sometimes this talk of the gospel, it seems empty. For 2,000 years, Christians have been proclaiming the gospel. For 2,000 years, we've been proclaiming that the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is near. 2,000 years. But from where I'm sitting on my little blue bench, the kingdom of heaven doesn't feel near. From where I'm looking to the left and to the right and ahead, the kingdom looks far away. It's tempting to write off Paul's exuberant gospel-based joy as fluff, as escapism, as empty calories like sugar water. And Paul seems out of touch with the reality of human suffering. Yet, a closer examination of the book reveals something different. We know that Paul spent some time in prison on a few occasions. And by my count, uh, Paul refers to being imprisoned a total of 13 times in his writings. 13 times he mentions his chains or being a prisoner for God. And four of those references are right here in Philippians 1. Four times he talks about his chains in this chapter alone. We don't know if he is speaking of literal chains or if he's speaking metaphorically. But the image I have of him in my mind is of him trying to write with a chain attached to his wrist. He moves his quill over the parchment and the metal links bump against each other. Clink, clank. Clink, clank. Paul is not blissfully unaware of suffering. He's in the middle of it. And the audience to which he is writing is in the middle of it as well. In Paul's travels in the book of Acts, the city of Philippi rejected Paul's message extremely quickly. It was there that Paul and Silas were stripped of their clothes, beaten, and then thrown into prison. Philippi was a city hostile to the gospel from the very beginning. And it's in this context of persecution that Paul speaks of joy. I'm not certain what joy means. It's different from happiness. Uh, while happiness comes and goes depending on your circumstances, joy seems to endure despite the circumstances. I heard someone recently describe joy as a profound awareness of the presence of God. This makes sense to me given some of the things that the Bible says about joy. Paul speaks of joy as a fruit of the Spirit. It's something that grows in us when we have the Spirit in us. And then here in today's passage, he speaks of the joy he gets from the gospel partnership that he has with the church in Philippi. Joy seems to come from connectedness to God and to God's people, the body of Christ. When talking about his partnership with the church at Philippi, Paul mentions three things. He mentions a visitor by the name of Epaphroditus, whom the church at Philippi had sent to assist him. 
He speaks of the financial assistance sent by the church at Philippi to help him in his work. And finally, he speaks of the prayers. He has been praying for the Philippians, and they have been praying for him. Thinking now about my partnership with you, the partnership between my work in Costa Rica and your work here at Creston, I see some parallels. Um, no, you haven't sent me someone named Epaphroditus. Um, you're having lots of babies, maybe one of them could be named Epaphroditus and could send him in 18 years or so. Um, but you have been supporting me financially uh, through church offerings and through individual donations. You've supported me financially. Um, there are so many good causes out there. Uh, so many worthy causes right here in this neighborhood. Uh, the money that you send me could be used locally. That you've chosen to help fund my ministry. And I am so grateful. So grateful. You make my work possible. But as significant as your financial support is, it's nothing compared to your prayers. Being a missionary is lonely work. Being far away from friends and family, it's rough. Uh, but the knowledge that you're praying for me, wow. Hundreds of people on a daily basis kneel before the living God and talk to the living God about me, little old me. Hundreds of prayer warriors lifting me up. When I think of you guys praying for me, I feel joy. What is more, when I pray for you, I feel joy. The profound awareness that God is listening to my prayers for you and that God is also listening to your prayers for me. This is a joyful partnership indeed. I draw courage from this relationship, this partnership with Creston. Strength to step outside and face another day of challenges, another day of seeking God's kingdom. From my little blue bench, I could see the joy and the partnership, but I was still having a hard time with the gospel. The partnership in the gospel, Paul talks about. Uh, but then I reflected on the final portion of today's passage. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Uh, I mentioned the group of young adults that I work with uh, in Central America, both people from the US and from Central America working side by side. And we met together in, it was Honduras um, when we talked about it. Um, some of my coworkers have really tough work situations really tough and some of them are feeling kind of hopeless and we talked about hope um, you know where, where do you get hope and there were the obvious things uh, newborn babies bring hope uh, nature brings hope um, the Bible I myself um, mentioned Psalm 77 and there, the psalmist uh, 
talks of having a sleepless night. You can't sleep. And then I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart mused and my spirit inquired. Then I thought, to this I will appeal, the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. And he concludes, your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Our gospel hope comes from the past mighty deeds of God. God who has done mighty works. The past mighty acts of God show us what the future mighty acts of God will be like. We do not know what the future will hold, but we know that the same God who parted the Red Sea, the same God who spoke to the prophets, the same God who created the heavens and the earth, the same God who raised Christ from the dead, that God is with us. The same God who built up the church in Philippi in a context of persecution. This same God has guided Creston CRC over the past 100 years. And this same God is with me as I sit on my little blue bench looking out at my neighborhood. Our God is faithful. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, the first fruits of the new heavens and new earth, a promise of things to come. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for this community here gathered at the corner of Buffalo and Spencer. I give you thanks for Creston Church and their partnership. God, this partnership fills me with joy to know that we're serving you serving in the same kingdom, although separated by miles and miles and miles. I give you thanks for this partnership and the joy that it brings to me. And I pray uh, that the joy may be spread around, that the joy may be felt here at Creston as well, as we seek the kingdom of God together. Be with us, Lord. Support us. Help us. Uh, we, we trust in your promises, we trust in your goodness, we trust in your faithfulness. And we are confident that you began a good work here and that you will complete it here, both here and in the rest of the world. All this we pray in your holy name. Amen. We're now going to sing from the Gray Book, 611, as stewards of a vineyard. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
for the parting blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. <laughs>